Hey everybody, how y'all doing? Welcome to the podcast that was almost completely derailed by my crippling MMO addiction. <laughs> I'm Michael. I'm joined by Alex as always. How's it going? And we're here with another episode of Falling Through Plot Holes, a podcast about video game plot lines and how they have a tendency to go off the rails. So yeah, uh, this episode nearly almost wasn't finished in time. I wrote this more or less over the course of a Friday afternoon and Saturday morning because I decided that, oh boy, MMOs are a lot of fun. We should we should see what those are all about again. Mm-hmm. And boy, that is, as always, is a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> ah, but you know what's not a mistake, Alex? What's that? Starting World War Three in order to, you know, advance your company's interest and also hold a fight. Like hold an awesome fighting tournament. Okay, there's probably some debate to be had about that, but let's assume that's true. Yeah, let's assume that's completely and 100% true. As I try to segue into the topic of today's episode, part two of our series on Tekken. Ah, good old Tekken. When mm. we last, when we last let off, left off, we learned all about the Mishima Zaibatsu and their ongoings and family drama, to say the least. We learned about demons and the little devil, ancient Aztec gods, and how, you know, more or less, if if you're related to somebody in the Mishima family, you probably want to kill everybody in that family and take control of the Zaibatsu. Probably, yeah. You know, it's it's funny, like, the Mishima's greatest enemies are pretty much just themselves. Yeah, each other. pretty much. And it's... <laughs> Pretty much all bad things stem from them just wanting to kind of dick over either their son or father or grandson. Yeah. Sometimes all at once in the case as as we're going to soon learn. (laughs) But don't worry. They always have a good reason for it as we're going to learn today. Turns out being a jerk to your son has a reason. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Throwing your son into a ravine? Don't worry. 100% 100% of a reason we did not, you know, just back end retcon this into here. Oh, totally. No. Totally not. Totally not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, today we're going to be going over Tekken 5, 6, and 7. And, uh, oh boy, does it really go places. <laughs> Alex, have, if I remember correctly, when we last talked, you, you mentioned that you really, your experience with Tekken has only been like later in the series of like Tekken 7 and whatnot. So you yeah. really haven't played like 5 and 6 too much, if I'm correct, right? Yeah, that's right. I yeah. might have like touched five in an arcade one time or something. Yeah, yeah, and that that would that would make sense. That's kind of like how I how I touched Tekken Tag Two once in a what's in an arcade, you know, just like very briefly, but otherwise right. not really that familiar with the story or whatnot. Yeah. So I was honestly under the impression that they were going to be pretty straightforward stories when I kind of started doing the research for this series, mm-hmm. and oh my god, was I wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Could not be more wrong when I booted up the uh, booted up my computer, went to YouTube, and looked up the cutscenes for Tekken Six, and realized they were two hours long and they were not endings. Oh boy! <laughs> and then I went, well, you know, I might as well make myself a drink and get out a notepad and let's just get into this. <laughs> uh, but it's despite all of that, despite the fact that it really just escalates from here, the one thing I'm very impressed about is that Tekken somehow manages to stay relatively focused on the Mishimas at large, and it manages to have a relatively coherent story. Hmm. And that is 
seemingly in spite of some of the things that are going to happen in this. Right. Like, this series tries its damnedest to be just <laughs> absolutely all over the place. And it's honestly kind of impressive that they stay on track. Are you familiar with any of the plot lines from, like, 5 and 6? Okay, I'm familiar that 5, I believe, starts with an opening cutscene of Heihachi being gunned down by a SWAT force. Or uh, the Tekken force, I suppose. Well, Heihachi does die, but not quite that way. In fact, we might as well go ahead and jump into Tekken 5 and just jump in there and let you know what exactly happens. So, in Tekken 5, when we last... In fact, just overall, when we last left off, we saw Heihachi and Kazuya being beaten to hell and back by Jin in his devil form. Uh, if you remember, Jin got captured by a Tekken force. Uh, Kazuya was escorted by Heihachi up to Hanmaru, which is this temple that's on the Mishima compound. And then they had a big old dumb fight, and then Jin turned into Devil Jin and beat them all up and flew away. So after Jin does all that, beats all, both of them up, knocks them out, uh, Heihachi and Kazuya awaken and are just kind of like looking around like, boy, that was a thing. Do we fight now? I'm not really sure. <laughs> but it turns out they don't really have time to figure that out because a bunch of jack androids crash through the walls and ceiling. like, okay, in, right. And they're totally intent on killing the both of them. So. I do have to make a correction right here. Last episode, I had mentioned that Kazuya was betrayed by the G Corporation leadership in the previous game, Tekken 4. I was wrong. That happens right now. Okay, got it. The betrayal is now. The betrayal, the betrayal is now, because it turns out the G Corporation has been building all these Jack 4 androids and uh, are launching them literally via, like, helicopter cannon? <laughs> That's right. Yep. And like rapid fire too, just launching him into Hanmaru and like breaking through the walls. And like what happens is a badass team fight happens where Kazuya and Heihachi are fighting with devastating effect. And it's like, you know, Kazuya will like uppercut like one of the jacks and Heihachi will just jump 20 feet in the air and kick it and blow it apart. And it's like the coolest looking thing in the world. Like, damn, this con this this cutscene is so good. It's really good. It, I, I only vaguely remember it clearly, but like the reason I think I might have played this game once in an arcade is because I distinctly remember seeing this cutscene in an arcade. Mm hmm. And yeah, how can you not play this game after seeing this? Like, how can you not? Yeah. So this fight's all happening, and it looks like, you know, they're about to win, but then Kazuya is like, ah, this seems like a good opportunity to murder my dad. <laughs> so he grabs Heihachi by his head, and throws him to a crowd of jacks. Uh, this causes Heihachi to be subdued by the jacks, and then Kazuya's like, ha! I'm gonna fly away now, and just leaves. And so Heihachi is very displeased by this, but he's even more so when a jack lands in front of him, and his head opens up to reveal a bomb, and mm -hmm. Heihachi is just like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> the bomb explodes and destroys the entirety of Hanmaru. We then see on a mountaintop adjacent from Hanmaru, a black man with short blonde hair who tells an unknown person yeah. that Heihachi Mishima is dead. dead. Oh, it's my favorite because you're immediately like, no, he's not. No, he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> no, he's not. It's fucking Tekken. You're not just going to kill Heihachi. No, of course in not. The opening cutscene. No, not Heihachi. Absolutely not. <laughs> so. We later learn this man's name is Raven. He's an intelligence uh, officer with the United Nations. 
he's going to be completely irrelevant going forward until Tekken 6. So just we're going to let you know who he is right now, but don't worry about him until Tekken 6. Put, put a little pin in Raven. So I will say about Raven, like, I, I didn't play Tekken 5 very much, but I was sort of aware of it coming out and followed some of the coverage of it. Mm-hmm. And man, I love Raven because Raven is just, they wanted to put Wesley Snipes' blade into Tekken. Oh yeah, he is 100% blade, yes. And so they just did that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, here's Raven. <laughs> Enjoy that. Enjoy this guy. He's going to have no no effect on the plot going forward from this. But listen, he's, he's cool, ain't he? He's super cool. He's going to tell somebody, you know, those motherfuckers shouldn't ice skate a uh, hill, you know? like yeah. <laughs> oh man oh so good so during the chaos an unknown person manages to take over to Mishima Zaibatsu and immediately decides to hold a new King of the Iron Fist tournament so this is rather convenient for Kazuya who wants to figure out not only why the G Corporation betrayed him but also wants to uncover the identity of the person running the Mishima Zaibatsu Jin also enters but for entirely different reasons so it turns out, since the end of Tekken 4, his devil gene has now started to go berserk. Like, he's just randomly turning into his devil form. Mm. And he's convinced if he enters the tournament, he'll find the one responsible for this. Which, not sure how that logic works. Yeah, I, I, I don't think anyone, any person's responsible for that. I think that's just what the devil does. Yeah, that's that was kind of my thought. But apparently... Jin is just convinced, okay, if I enter this, I'll find the one responsible for making the demon inside of me be a demon or something. I don't know. All right. I mean, is fighting game universe, fighting game logic applies. He might be right. He, he Honestly, he might be. And, you know, you have to have a reason for your third main character to enter the tournament. So True. Fair enough. Also, I like that Kazuya is like, why did the G Corporation betray me? I don't know. Could it be because you love being the devil? It might be just that, Kazuya. <laughs> they might be like, hmm, we might have made some mistakes here. Literally resurrected a man who's the vessel for the devil. And enjoys it. Very much so. Unabashedly. Mm. We should do something mm. about this. Yeah, probably should. <laughs> so Jin and Kazuya make their way through the tournament. And as they reach the finals, they discover who this man is that is running the Mishima Zaibatsu. It's a previously unknown member of the Mishima family, Kazuya's grandfather and the founder of the Mishima Zaibatsu himself, Jinpachi Mishima. So Jinpachi, just to give you an idea of what he looks like, he's basically like an extreme form Heihachi. Mm. Like imagine if Heihachi's beard and mustache merged with his hair and formed giant wings and you got his look. <laughs> like this man is like extreme. Like, he is Heihachi if he went Super Saiyan. And just right. didn't get gold hair. Like, looks great. So as you can probably imagine, as a Mishima, you think he would be the one of the most evil people in the world. And he'd be completely yeah. wrong. Oh. Jinpachi, it turns out, might be one of the most honorable members of the Mishima family. Oh. He got his start by founding the Zaibatsu and expanding it rapidly by capitalizing on the Japanese military demands for weapons during World War II, which admittedly, bad thing. Yeah. But after the war ended... Jinpachi immediately regretted this. And from that point forward, he was like, we are not going to make weapons. I am going to make the world a better place. And I'm going to dedicate myself to the martial arts. And ded- and from there, dedicate my life to stopping wars and avoding needless conflict. Okay, so Heihachi killed him. <laughs> Boy, 
<laughs> Just skipping ahead two paragraphs. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was like, man, can't imagine where this is going to go. <laughs> I mean, it's the most <laughs> obvious thing. Because <laughs> that's why I wrote in the next, the absolute next sentence, unfortunately for his life. It took a turn for the worse when his son was born, Hashi Mishima. <laughs> so shortly before the events of Tekken 1, Heihachi thought this whole not building weapons to starting wars thing was totally lame. <laughs> so he took over to Mishima Zaibatsu in a coup d'etat with other members of uh, like the executive and whatnot. So Deep Jimpachi wouldn't let this stand and tried to coup him back, but he mm. failed. And for this, Heihachi imprisoned him underneath Hanmaru. And just kind of didn't give him any food, so he just let him die of starvation. Oh. Yeah, straight up. Did that work? Well, (laughs) no. Because as we have learned from Tekken, and really just video games in general, death is more an inconvenience. Death is a curve that you accidentally hit when you turn a little too sharply in your car. Right. I feel like death just loves to spite the Mishimas. Kinda, yeah. Death is like, I know you want to kill this person, but I don't want to. Yeah, not ready for this. Not at all. Not ready to reap this soul. You gotta wait a bit. So this should have been the end for him, but it turns out that shortly after he died, a demon decided to just show up and take over his body and mind. Oh. As one does. Yeah, sure. Reviving him and giving him immortality but also slowly causing him to lose his sanity. So this is the reason why he's holding this entire tournament. He wants to find a warrior strong enough to kill him before he loses his mind and goes on a reign of terror. So yeah, our our villain of this game is a nice, kindly old man who loves his grandpa, uh, not his grandpa, his grandson. Like mm. literally one of his likes under the wiki is like, he loves his grandson, Kazuya. <laughs> and it's like, ow. And, you know, wants to just not do any wars, but he, you know, wants to die so he doesn't cause some wars and whatnot. That's our villain for this game. (laughs) All right. So about that grandson, Kazuya, huh? Yeah. Kazuya's ending in this, by the way, is non-canon. But if he does beat it, he does, like, hold his grandpa dying in his arms. And, like, he actually beats him so hard that the demon leaves him. Oh, wow. And he's, like, thinks of his memories of being, like, a four-year-old training with him. He's like, oh, that's really nice. And then he punches him through the chest and kills him, and then laughs maniacally. Oh, yeah, okay, that that tracks. That tracks. But that's thankfully is not what happens. I mean, Jin Pachi's gonna die, but that's not what happens. Right. <laughs> so, Kazuya and Jin both reach Jin because they're both in the finals, and they both take the fight to him. It's a hard battle, one that Kazuya himself loses, but Jin is able to fight him to a draw. Unfortunately, though, it's too late for Jin and he morphs into a demonic entity that, you know, the same one that possessed him so long ago. Like, mm-hmm. stomach grows teeth and whatnot, and he looks pretty messed wow. up. So seeing this, Jin uses all the strength to defeat him, uh, including going to the devil form, and causes, like, this causes Jinpachi to die happily. And as he dies, his body dissipates into nothing but sand. Kazuya himself, like, since he's beaten, just, like, runs away. And we mm-hmm. s- later see Jin walking through the Mishima Zaibatsu before coming upon their throne room. Because, of course, Heihachi had a throne room. Right. He sits upon the throne and takes over as the leader of the Mishima Zaibatsu. So, hey, look at that. That's Tekken 5. All right. The one good Mishima, well, I guess technically the other good Mishima. Right. Is now in charge of 
the Zaibatsu that was only been run by essentially evil people for the past 40 years. Everything's going to be good, right? Yeah, and Jin is going to have Kazuya tracked down and imprisoned mm-hmm. and recover Heihachi's body to confirm that he is dead mm-hmm. and make sure that, that you know, the darkness of the uh, Mishimas is completely contained. Absolutely, and he's going to do that by starting World War III. Oh, hmm. Oh, wait, that's not how you would do all that? I don't know why the CIA doesn't just kill them all. Yeah, right? I I feel like at this point there is no benefit to just leaving a Mishima alive. There really isn't. There really isn't. Every time a Mishima shows up, just bad things happen to everybody surrounding them. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that leads us to Tekken 6, which... um. You probably think Tekken 5, boy, that was uh, you know nice and tight and whatnot. And it, it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a grand total of one and a half pages worth of notes on that. Uh, Tekken 6 is four. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. Strap yourselves in because, boy, oh, boy. <laughs> this is where it... Um, it has This game actually has a story mode, which I really did not expect. Because mm. uh, I, I really thought, like, Tekken... Not, not Tekken 9, like, Mortal Kombat 9 is when really that trend started. But no, Tekken 6 apparently was a little ahead of the curve. Mm. So, Tekken 6. Now that Jin has taken control of the Mishima Zaibatsu, Hiyashi is still probably dead. And Kazuya is doing eh, something with the G Corporation, taking over, becoming his leader, really. Okay. It now would appear the world's now mostly rid of the evil influence of the Mishimas. Which is why Jin decides to start World War Three. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so immediately after taking control of the Zaibatsu, Jin severs all ties with all nations, and then declares war on said nations, as well as the G Corporation. Wait, declares war as who? Uh, you know, the Mishima Zaibatsu. The, the sovereign nation of the Mishima Zaibatsu? I mean, they're, they got their own corporate army. They, they took they over the island like of Kado. Business permit that can be revoked or something? Yeah, you think that um, there would be ways to stop them. And also, when you learn how big uh, the Tekken Force actually is, you'd be like, I don't feel like they should be able to take on the entire world at once. I don't feel like they should. Also, shouldn't, like... Shouldn't the banks be able to be like, no, and we have your money, so no? Yeah, you would think so, but nah, somehow he's able to pull this off. Okay. Yeah. And to be fair, that's not the only war that's happening right now. Like, by more or less declaring war on the entire world, other nations declare war on each other as well. So there's multiple huge wars that are now erupting with the Mishima Zaibasu in the center of it all. So everyone was just ready to go. They were just waiting on the Mishimas to kick it off. Pretty much. They're like, ah, fuck that. We got all these weapons we bought from the Mishimas. We got to use them. Oh. By the way, this includes the space colonies, which, uh, by the way, there are space colonies. Did you know that? Oh, I did not know that. No. I didn't either until I looked up, like, Tekken 5 stage list, and it's like, oh, yeah, no, there's there's space colonies. Oh. These are kind of ignored going forward, but technically they exist. I mean, I feel like sometimes Tekken just likes to have stages that are mm-hmm. cool and they don't really worry about. They do. Know. And then they're like, oh, I guess we got to write some lore around this. And uh. yeah. now to be fair, this is the game where Tekken becomes an anime mm. more so than anything else. I was going to say, yeah, it's like th- two to three characters have transformed into demon form so far. Yeah, but it's so. 
Tekken does this very interesting thing where, like, their characters are, like, their human characters look very realistic, right? Especially right. when you start, like, hitting, like, the Tekken 3, 4, and 5 sort of era. Mm-hmm. Like, all of them, you're like, okay, no, I could actually see this incredibly buff person in real life. Like, not Heihachi, right. obviously, but, like, right. Eddie Gordo. Yeah, no, you, I could see this person walking down the street. Right. Tekken 6 is where it's like, well, what if we gave them all anime hair? Uh, and right. it's like, oh, okay, you people look out of place, and I love it. <laughs> so the world is now in chaos. People are dying by the millions, and those who know Jin wonder why he would take such drastic action. Okay, so however, not as all well with the Zaibatsu. One day, half of the Tekken force just goes AWOL and establishes their own resistance army against the Zaibatsu. Called Yggdrasil, they pledge to end all wars and are led by a former Tekken Force soldier by the name of Lars Alexandrson. Well, I messed it up regardless. Whatever. <laughs> Lars is an anime character with somewhat spiky blonde hair going in every direction and wears a futuristic take on like medieval armor with a tattered mm. cape. This man is our main protagonist of Tekken 6. And with this, it's the first character to be the main character that isn't a Mishima in some way, shape, or form. Right. So our game more or less starts with Yggdrasil attacking some facility owned by the Mishima Zaibatsu. Like a pitch gun battle occurs and is immediately put to end when our boy Lars shows up. (laughs) In fact, our first impression of this man is seeing him uppercut a missile before essentially dodging bullets and then punching all the enemy soldiers so hard they explode. Nice. Once once again, this man is an anime character and I cannot state this hard enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting like anime Viking vibes kind of yeah yeah i think that's a safe assumption so during this mission lars stumbles upon a secret lab containing another anime character in a stasis pod (laughs) a pink-haired android girl named alicia buskanovich oh no here we go oh yes the robot (laughs) daughter of dr buskanovich so dr buskanovich has been a figure in tekken since the very beginning we haven't really talked about him because unfortunately He's only been mildly relevant in the sense of that he created the Jack series of androids. Right. Uh, he's basically a genius as far as like creating androids are concerned. And also good at you know biogenetics as well, because he's also the person who created Roger the Boxing Kangaroo Super Soldier. Okay, sure. So he um he looks like uh the doc from Back to the Future, essentially, you know, gray hair, hmm. balding head, wears a you know, a lab coat. And it turns out he made an anime in order to serve the Mishima Zaibatsu in uh, some capacity. Okay, sure. So Lars wakes up Alicia, and then an explosion happens, knocking him out and giving him amnesia. He eventually comes to and escapes with Alicia, and that sort of sets up the story of Tekken 6 as these two go on a journey of discovery to figure out who they truly are, because Alicia doesn't know who she is either. Wait, I'm sorry. They pulled out amnesia after establishing the character? Yes. Isn't that sort of pointless narratively? It is, although we I, they never tell us like what Lars's backstory is, other than he's right. a a competent soldier in the Tekken Force that you know goes rogue. So you know there could be more to this character that meets the eye. He could have just had amnesia about that from the start. He could have, and that would have been more convenient. But ah, eh, you know. All right. Anyway, okay, amnesia now. I guess they had to give him give him reason to get away from like Gigasrail and just go yeah. on his own. So sure. I don't know. So. All the while, they're being hunted by Jin, who's learned of Lisa's escape, and he sends Nina Williams, you know, the femme fatale spy, mm-hmm. 
And another character, Eddie Gordo, a character so unimportant that they literally made another character, Chrissy, to replace him and made him <laughs> an alternate skin of her. <laughs> yeah, he was his own character in Tekken 3, and then they introduced Christy later and went, eh, just how about you have the same fighting style? Eddie, you just beat an alternate skin. Yeah, they decided to make him, a, like, semi-important in this game. I don't know why. All right, yeah, that seems weird way to backtrack on that decision, but all right. Right? So they're, te- they're tasked with tracking down Lars and to get Elisa back. So as they journey... Oh, go ahead. Why? Wait. Okay. No, n- let's, let's continue. I'm sure it will become clear why. Oh, yes. It somewhat will. So as they journey like, through... Go ahead. Did Jin just ask the doctor to make him an anime waifu? Yes. Okay. Yes, he did. 100%. That, that checks out. All right. I mean, I guess it makes sense because, like, you know... He has to deal with all these jacks from the G Corporation that he's fighting right now, and he needs robot right. soldiers to fight against all the nations. Right. So it sort of makes sense that he would ask him to do this. So as they journey through the world, Lars' memories slowly return to him, and eventually he gets a startling revelation. He realizes he needs to find Heihachi, who is very much alive and currently in seclusion. Oh my god. Right? And he's trained to fight and beat Jin for the right to take control of the Mishima Zaibatsu. So Lars meets up with him at a secluded temple in the middle of a forest, and upon confronting him, reveals the truth. He is his son. Okay. It turns out Heihachi supervised a mission for the Tekken Force in Sweden at one point, and then got distracted and slept with the Swedish woman. And then Lars okay. came into the world. So, yeah, uh... Yeah. So, uh, huh. I guess that means uh, the main characters of Mishima. I guess I better go back to the old notes and just, uh... Right. Yeah. Race this and uh, uh, yep. uh, there we go. All right. Yeah, it turns be a protagonist of Tekken, you'll end up a Mishima. Yep, exactly. Doesn't matter who you are. You're an alien. Guess what? You're a Mishima now. Yep. If Yoshimitsu somehow becomes the protagonist of the Tekken game, he's gonna somehow be like That'd third. Be amazing, actually. I'd be actually 100 down with that. Tekken eight. He better be the protagonist. Yeah, make you Yoshimitsu Mishima the <laughs> protagonist. Yes, let's do it. Crowdfund this. I don't know how crowdfunding would work in this. But I don't, d- I don't know. Whatever. Bribe Harada. That's my point. Yeah, that's ask Harada my... for shit. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be pleased about that. Yeah. Based upon he what his shirt it. said. He loves it. So Heihachi immediately tries to recruit him to take down Jin and Kazuya. But Lars, being a smart boy, says no. <laughs> okay, good. Being a smarter boy, he then pulls a gun on Heihachi and shoots him. Okay, not going to work, but I admire the initiative. Yep. Very ineffective, because Heihachi literally catches the bolt with his teeth. Like, he headbutts the bolt right. and catches it with his teeth, spits it out, and then admonishes Lars, asking him if he really thought a pea shooter like that could hurt him. And Lars can't help but be slightly impressed by this, and then, in a very reoccurring theme with the Mishimas, he goes, mm-hmm. huh, well, I tried to kill you and it didn't work. Anyway, see you later. Guess I'll yeah. just casually leave. And so he does. All right. Was Heihachi implying he wouldn't be able to do that with a bigger guns bullet? <laughs> I I don't know. I Honestly, I think if he did like bring like a 50 cal machine gun, Heihachi yeah. probably still would be able to catch all those bullets with, those te- with his teeth. Yeah, like what's the caliber limit? on is it the size or speed that's the the limit on that technique is it a howitzer shell is that what it has to be i mean you blew up a bomb in his face and that didn't work so i feel like explosive rounds just aren't gonna do it 
Yeah, you're probably right. It's going to have to be it's going to have to be like the biggest elephant gun you can find at minimum. Yeah. Or maybe just a laser. Too bad no one has those. Oh, no. Not until second seven. Yeah. Uh, so Lars and Elisa decided to go to Kazi instead because they were like, OK, well, we do need to at least stop one of these corporations from doing endless war. So let's go and stop, try to stop Kazia, uh, who's now taking control of the G Corporation. So he goes there, and Kazi is not all that interested in fighting them. So he sends a bunch of soldiers down to fight him instead, which Lars promptly beats them to all hell. Right. This prompts Kazi to come down and just beat on both of them for a while. Oh. And he's like, ha, boy, you people suck. But then, like, soldiers from Yigisrael come in to bail out Lars. So he's like, well, guess I better leave. And so Kazi is out. And so Lars and Lisa also take this opportunity to escape as well. And they're like, okay, well, if this isn't going to work, then we need to take out Jin. And so what they do is they realize in order to get to the central tower of the Mishima uh, headquarters, they need to hijack a subway car of theirs and then like hack it and like take it all the way to their headquarters. Mm-hmm. So they do that. And along the way, like they get assaulted by a bunch of Tekken Force members, including Nina. Like Nina Williams shows up and like, right. tries to ambush them. And like Lars has to fight her off multiple times. Like he kicks her off and once he somehow gets back on, he has to fight her again. And pretty good fight. And they manage to reach the central tower and fight their way to Jin. And upon confronting him, find out, though, there's been a traitor in their midst. Well, okay. sort of, anyways. So Jin turns out is happy to have Elisa back. And he uses the passcode to reboot her memory banks, revealing that her purpose was to protect Jin at all costs. Okay, so yeah, literally just had an anime waifu made for himself. Yep. And in truth, right. he, he didn't really want her back right away because she was sending information back on, like, Lars this entire time. It's like he knows that Lars is like his weird uncle at this point. Sure. Uh, Real JoJo's Bizarre Adventure sort of situation here. Yeah. And so like Elisa attacks Lars um, and Lars is like, like, uh, like unable to like really like do anything about this until Raven shows up. Remember Raven? Remember that little pin? I remember Raven. I I remember Raven. Let's take that pin out. He's he was only relevant for five seconds, taking five. But boy, is he important here. Because he, he shows up and he like he helps Lars escape. Because it turns out he's been sent by the UN to follow Lars this entire time. And like he decides to step in because he wants to help him on his mission to stop Jin. He's like, okay, you're about to get in trouble. I need to help you out. And this reveals something that I find fascinating about Tekken. Uh-huh. So what do you think is the lingua franca of like the entire Tekken universe? You probably think it's like, okay, it's probably like Japanese, right? Right. No, it's all languages. Yes, right. No, it's every character speaks the language of the country that they're from, and they all just understand each other. They do! So, like, it's it's great. So, like, Lars is speaking in Japanese to Raven, Raven's speaking back to him in English, and they completely understand each other. Oh, it's so good. It's my favorite. Oh, God, like, next game, like, somebody's going to speak Italian to Heihachi, and he's going to perfectly understand it. Just completely babblefish it. It's so good. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And, like, he reveals, like, even, like, in his English, reveals to Jin, not Jin, to Lars, that Jin is heading to the desert and need to go stop him. You're probably asking yourself, what desert? Yeah, what what desert? The desert. (laughs) Oh. That one. The one, the important desert. Right. Okay. (laughs) So they go to the desert. (laughs) (laughs) And, um... They find that there's an abandoned temple there, and they go in there, and they find Kazuya's already there. And a nice, like, military getup, all looking ready for action. Okay. It's here that a ton of revelations happens, okay? <laughs> okay. 
So just line them up. The first is that Kazuya learns that Lars is his half brother and thinks that's really dumb and hates it. Okay, fair. he's like, "This is fuck no, you suck." Understood. Can't, can't believe you're my brother. The second is that we learned this temple is home to an ancient evil called Azazel, or the Rectifier, okay. and that he's alive deep within this temple right now. So Kazuya and Lars fight to a stalemate, and Kazuya at this point decides this really isn't worth his time, and he's going to leave. So Lars doesn't want him to, and in what is either a power move or just confusing, Kazuya slowly walks away from him as Lars is charging him, and Lars just notices like a little too late that Kazuya has dropped a flashbang. So it goes off and it blinds Lars, allowing Kazuya to escape. Except once he comes to, he notices that Kazuya is still casually walking away. Just He's just slightly farther away now. Oh. And Lars is like, oh man, this extra 20 feet is too much for me and just lets him leave. Okay. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> All right, sure. So it's during this time that Azazel reveals itself, which I really hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's it's a weird, weird spelling. Yeah, I've heard the name before. I don't know the exact correct pronunciation. So Azazel is a purple crystal dragon wearing ancient Egyptian garb. So I guess we could say they're in the Sahara Desert. Oh, yeah, sure. So his deal is that he used to rule over all of humanity thousands of years ago until humanity rose up and imprisoned him behind a magic seal. Oh. Yeah. He claims that he's a product of humanity, and humanity is what brought him into this world. But he never really specifies why that is. He just, right. He just showed up, ruled over humanity for thousands of years, and humanity was like, nope, son. <laughs> so they briefly fight, and Lars gets the upper hand, only for Azazel to self-destruct in an attempt to kill him. But Lars manages to survive, and believing he defeated an ancient evil, goes to leave the temple only to run into Jin and Elisa. So Jin proceeds to set Elisa on Lars and Raven, which, given it's a two-on-one fight, they're just like, all right, let's just punch her in the face a lot. <laughs> so they trash Elisa to the point that she begins to die. As she dies, though, she regains her memory just long enough to recognize Lars, and while Lars is holding her in his arms, she apologizes for fighting him, noting she could not disobey but that traveling with him was wonderful and that she just wishes could have lasted longer before expiring. Isn't she a robot? She is, but, you know. Can't they just fix her? You know, she doesn't realize that. <laughs> Does she not? I, I guess not. <laughs> like, you can, you can just swap out the head, man. Yeah. Yeah, just, you know, replace some parts there, man. You just ones and zeros. It's fine. All right. <laughs> So Jin proceeds to be a real Mishima here and says, good riddance to a worthless piece of junk. <laughs> this pisses off Lars, who proceeds to beat the hell out of Jin. Yeah. So to this point, while Jin's like on one knee, he's like, wait, wait, wait. I had a reason for starting World War III. <laughs> yeah, did you? So you see, Jin knew about Azixil this entire time uh, via another character who's not really that relevant. Mm -hmm. um, okay. who happened to just know like basically she's like ancient Egyptian shaman and she's like I know about this person he's like oh man I gotta deal with this right so Azizel shares a connection with the devil gene and in an attempt to purge the world of the devil gene and the evil it possesses he needed to rid the world of Azizel this in turn would purge him of the devil gene and prevent the world from being consumed in darkness the problem is that Azizel was asleep, and the only way to awaken him was to fill the world with negative emotions. 
Why I, didn't you just kill him in his sleep? Well, you know, it's more metaphorical awaken, I guess. Like, Is he, it? Well, he needed a physical body. Maybe he's like sleeping in spirit form. It's kind of a, uh, it's kind of confusing. And honestly, I don't think the best way was to start a war in the first place. But also, yes, just wait a couple of years. Social media would exist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the real World War Three. He also claims that Azizel's awakening was avoid unavoidable regardless because of his clashes between himself and Kazia had already awoken him in spirit. Okay, so just keep clashing with Kazia. Yeah, right? And then go beat his ass. I mean, Lars has already beat his ass one time. Mm-hmm. Like, if Lars, Alicia, and Jin had all gone, they would have just taken turns on him mm -hmm. until he wanted to die. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, this dude doesn't sound that impressive. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't at all. There's a reason why nobody really remembers Azazel, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. He's, he's never exactly talked about in the grand lore of Tekken, unlike Ogre. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it, this is probably, like, the one part where, like, the writing in Tekken kind of, like, takes a nosedive, where it's like, oh, you needed to justify why good boy Jin did, did the evil. Right. And this was kind of the best you could do, wasn't it? He has the devil gene, like... Yeah, you could have just done that. But I guess they also wanted to be like, give him an out. So he's like, no, he's actually still good. He did it for good reasons. Right. But that it, it, he's more still good if he was possessed by the devil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like it, that's actually beyond his control. Yeah, exactly. Right. But nope. All right. Would you believe that Jin also insulting Elisa was also like part of his grand plan? Sure. Yeah, because he won one final clash between him and Lars that would ultimately destroy the evil with him, him as well. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I feel like he could have just invited Kazuya to this, and that would have done the same thing. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe he felt like he needed somebody who was more pure of heart or something. I don't know. Also, is his plan to tire out himself and Lars in the awakening of Azazel? I guess. So just, like, tire both of you out and then wake up the demon lord you have to beat up. Yeah, Jin doesn't really come off as very smart during this entire time. He sure doesn't. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, poor Jin. I feel like a little, little character assassination is happening here. A little bit. Did he even bring Nina? Um, She is there, yes. Okay. Yeah, she's hanging out. Don't know about Eddie's whereabouts. He's probably hanging out, too. Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no no one cares about Eddie. <laughs> Poor Eddie. So, Azazel then bursts through the ground, and he's like, I'm here to kill all of you, and now I'm about to go berserk. And he immediately attacks Jin, who powers up into his devil form, and is, like, just seemingly immune to his attacks. Oh. And then Azazel's like, no, you shouldn't do this. The world, it's not fit for humans. And then Jin's like, whatever, and just punches Azazel through his chest, and they fall into the pit that Azazel created. Mm -hmm. A giant beam of light erupts, and both of them are gone. So they're both seemingly dead. Nina then shows up to, like, escort Lars and Raven away. Uh, just, like, not captured, just like, eh, let's get out of here. And while she notes that Jin, what Jin did was questionable, she cannot be the judge of whether Jin's actions were right or wrong. Which if you can, I, I think you can actually. I think starting World War Three is pretty wrong. Personally, you really can. Also, he could have 
He just took care of this by himself. Yeah, he also did that. He just showed like up. At any point that Azazel decided to wake up, he could have just flown to Egypt or whatever. Mm-hmm. Put down his newspaper. And... and just beat him in the chest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's just not a. It's not good overall. But Nina does do one nice thing. She does allow Lars and Raven to take Elisa's Elisa's body to Lee Chowlin, who, if you don't remember who Lee is, Lee is Heihachi's one of Heihachi's adopted Chinese orphans, right? Uh, who now is running his own company called Violet, uh, who's an okay. Android company, and who oh. he immediately promises to repair her as soon as possible. And Tekken Six ends with the UN picking up, finding Jin's body halfway buried in the ground, and we see he still has his tattoos, indicating that he still has the devil within him. Right. And so that's Tekken Six. All right, that happened, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of reminded why um, people don't really talk about Tekken Six a whole lot. Right. Uh, it might be partially because of. The, like, the story's pretty good up until you get to the end. You're like, oh, mm, mm, right. Could have had some better reasoning here. Uh, but now we're going to be leading into the most recent Tekken entry and probably toe-to-toe of Tekken 3 for maybe the most beloved mm-hmm. of the Tekken series. Tekken 7. A hell of a game. Yes. But before we get to Tekken 7, we actually have to talk about an entirely different game, Alex. Mm-hmm. What, what game is that? Oh, a very divisive game. So let's start by um, mentioning that the director of most of the Tekken series, including Tekken 7, is Katsuhiro Harada. Um, I wish I really had time to like talk about him more in depth because he's a fascinating person. But in short, he's a very outgoing and public-facing person in Namco. Uh, originally started as a promoter for their arcade games. Mm-hmm. And then did so well that they just put him on promotion for Tekken, essentially. And then from mm-hmm. there, he became their director. Right. Uh, by, I believe, Tekken 3. Uh, so during his time at the company, he made friends with another producer of a, f- of a particularly prominent fighting game series, uh, one Yoshinori Ono, who we briefly mentioned when we talked about Street Fighter. Yoshinori Ono, uh, who produces the Street Fighter series for Capcom, uh, starting from Street Fighter 4 on, uh, ended up becoming like fast friends with him. And these two would often appear on stage at each other's events, playing pranks or helping them announce new characters or whatnot. And it's from that relationship that in 2010, Ono and Harada announced two games, Street Fighter versus Tekken, which would be made by Capcom, and Tekken versus Street Fighter, which would be made by Namco. Each game would be in the style of the respective series while taking elements from the other. So like Street Fighter versus Tekken would play like a Street Fighter game, but it would have like sort of Tekken mm-hmm. sort of elements like branded to the different characters and whatnot, whereas the other would be primarily like a Tekken game that would have like some Street Fighter elements. So in 2012, we saw the first of these games when Capcom released Street Fighter vs. Tekken to an audience that was... Uh, underwhelmed, to say the least? Yeah, yeah underwhelmed. Um, mm-hmm. Also slightly irked, perhaps. Yeah. yeah, the fighting game community particularly. Yeah. So without going too much detail, while a competent fighting game, and I, I personally think it's a competent fighting game, uh, elements included within the game made it difficult to balance, which sort of drove away the competitive fighting game community. Mm-hmm. And really, regardless of what happened, it wasn't a huge success, selling just a little over a million copies when it was expected to sell like about 2 million. Right. Uh, 
Alex, have you ever played Street Fighter versus Tekken? I have not. I've seen it in action. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly, I think I have seen vanilla Street Fighter versus Tekken in action. Ah, uh, yes. Um, I, I am told that it got much better with subsequent patches and changes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that initial release is rough. Very, very rough. Yeah. It, uh, it is a game that has a lot of issues, um, such as one-time use gems and stuff like other weird stuff that uh, yeah. like made balancing the game basically impossible. Uh, super mode that gives you five seconds to win the game or automatically lose. Yeah, yeah, where you like take control, like you basically sacrifice your second player character or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, people did not like that. But yeah, like regardless of this failure, it was up to Namco and their upcoming Tekken versus Street Fighter to run in and save the day. However, much like when Capcom uh, made a deal with SNK to make fighting games, uh, mm-hmm. they kind of didn't really hold up their bargain because it never came out. <sighs> yeah. Now, it is still officially in development. Harada came out couple months ago and said no we're still working on this uh are you yeah which i mm, i don't not sure about that it's been uh 11 years at this point but i uh, believe that there's an internal version of tekken 7 that has characters swapped out for street fighter characters i absolutely believe that too i absolutely believe they have some sort of working prototype but i do not yeah. believe they have anywhere close to a completed game so However, it would be wrong to say they didn't do anything, and it's clear they worked on a few characters and got their Street Fighter-style quirks to work in the Tekken engine. I say this because the story of Tekken 7 heavily features Akuma, a Street (laughs) Fighter character that, as part of its main story, he actually heavily drives the action in a way that I honestly would not expect from a guest character. And it's honestly kind of wild because... It, it works. Right. It works in a way that it really shouldn't. Yeah, it's it's wild, like you said. It's just that how well this 2D character works in a 3D fighting game mm-hmm. and behaves like a 2D fighter. Yeah. Yeah, he's a character that if you don't know anything about Tekken, but you play a bunch of Street Fighter, you could play a little bit of Kuma. You're not going to play a right. high level at all, right. but you can play him. Right. Yeah, and, it, and his inclusion helps to add to what is a otherwise incredibly overwrought, but yet still somehow relatively compelling story that is Tekken 7. Which, oh my god, once again, Tekken 7 is such a great game. Mm-hmm. Mm. And still being supported to this day. They literally yeah, came out... the support for it's incredible. Yeah, came out with another DLC character just earlier this year. So, are you familiar too much with the story of Tekken 7? Uh, not really. Oh, you're gonna love this then. It is all over the place. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, after the events of Tekken 6, Jin has disappeared. Um, we know he's still alive, but he's just gone. And But because of this, the war between the Mishima Zaibatsu and G Corporation continues. And like all the other nations are involved as well. Mm-hmm. So this game has a very interesting framing device where an investigative journalist, uh, who I'm going to just take a look to make sure he does it. Yeah, doesn't have a name at all. But okay. he's just an investigative journalist who, um, during the war, he lost his wife and son after his hometown was attacked. Uh, he starts this out by narrating the story of the Mishibas. And a lot of the story, if not the vast majority of it, uh, is told from his perspective. And he starts it off by telling us about 40 years ago. And this is where 
immediately you realize this game's going to get good because mm-hmm. it starts off with you taking control of a five-year-old Kazuya Mishima, <laughs> fighting his dad on top of that mountain. <laughs> and oh boy. boy, you get your ass beat. <laughs> so, you know, Kazuya is violently kicked and beat up. And as uh, Hiachi lifts him up to throw him off the side of the ravine, he er- just enraged and screams at him that Hiachi killed his mother. Heihachi just looks at him with sadness and just throws him off the cliff. This warps now to present day, and we actually learn how the Mishima Zaibatsu does a turnover as far as, like, leadership is concerned. Because mm-hmm. you're probably wondering, it's like, well, you know, how is it that every time a new Mishima, like, wins a tournament and takes over, how do they somehow end up in control of everything? Well, Heihachi gives us a window into that. He just returns to the Mishima Zaibatsu building and then beats up everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Beats up Nina, beats up Tekken 4 soldiers, beats up everyone, sits on the throne, goes, I'm in charge. And they go, well, shit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. He then announces a new King of the Iron Fist tournament in hopes of drawing out Kazuya. (laughs) Okay. Yep. Same old Heiachi. Yep. And you're like, wait, but aren't you at war with the G Corporation and the entire world? Yes, you are. But don't worry about it. You can still hold tournaments. Uh, you'll be sure. You'll you'll be unsurprised to learn that the King of the Iron Fist tournament number seven gets uh, canceled shortly after this. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, there was a King of the Iron Fist tournament six. It also gets shortly canceled. Yeah. I feel like Heihachi just got back. Mm said all right new tech and tournament and someone was like what about the war and heiachi's like the what it's like ah shit that was happening all right new tech and tournament let's distract everybody from this and then war maybe (laughs) this war thing sounds cool i'm proud of my grandson i can sell so much weapons to myself so still gotta kill him though still gotta go i'll kill him later then So Heihachi needs to track down Kazuya and whatnot. He wants to like right. you know, have one big final giant battle with him. They've and, had so many final battles already. Like what, man? Well, he wants to not only have a final battle with him, but he also wants to expose him for the devil he is by literally exposing him as the devil. Right. So with I that... I can't believe that hasn't come out already. Right? Like it's been 25, 30 years and like four wars or something. And nobody knows that the literal devil exists? Yeah, right? It's ridiculous. But the idea is that it's like, no, I'm going to unveil this, and I'll turn public opinion against the G Corporation, and then I'll be able to win the war. Okay. I don't think this kind of war is won by public opinion, but all right. (laughs) You know, we got to have the will to fight. So now, in order to do this, he needs to, you know, get in contact with the Secret Society of Exorcist, uh, called the Archers of Sirius. Okay. They are led by a man by the name of Claudia Serafino. Now, good old Claudio. Claudio, Claudio, Claudio. He is Italian and speaks Italian. Cool. And Heihachi, of course, understands Italian, so no language barrier. Of course. Yep. He ends up meeting up with Heihachi and Nina, uh, and he's like, oh, you're evil. There's absolutely no way I'm going to work with you. Mm-hmm. And Heihachi's like, well, hey, well, what if I give you all this money? He's like, no, I'm not. And then Heihachi's like, what if I beat you up? And he's like, 
wait, what? <laughs> and I hate how she beats him up. And then Claudia's like, well, I guess I got to work with you. <laughs> I really respect that the man has a two-step business process. He really does. Give the money? No? Well, I'm a martial arts master, so. Yep. <laughs> I can solve. One of those two things will probably work. They solve 95% of all of my problems, and the other 5% are demon-related. Yep. Which, step two, sometimes also solves those problems. Sometimes. Not always, but Not sometimes. Always. So, during all this, the journalist is, like, you know, digging up information on the Mishibas, because, you know, he blames the Mishimas for his family being dead, particularly Jin. Right. Like, he's like, Jin I killed... I mean, that's fair. Yeah, it's, honestly, 100%. 100%. And, like, as he researches it, though, he learns a little bit more about, like, Jinpachi Mishima, and he learns about Heihachi's history, and he also learns about Heihachi's wife, Kazumi Mishima, also known yeah. as Kazumi Hachio. And he learns that she died the same year that Kazu was thrown off a cliff, and he wonders if there's a connection between the two. And so with that, he goes to seek out um, you know, other members of the Mishima family from there. Speaking of other members of the Mishima family, <laughs> uh, Jin is uh, still captured by the United Nations. Is still on a helicopter being flown away because this game takes place pretty shortly after Tekken 6. Okay. Uh, during this time, though, he turns into his devil form. Like He wakes up, turns into his devil form, and escapes his captors. And he, like, he just wanders into the town desert to hide out. And like the UN's looking for him, but Lars shows up, and he's like, Hey, how's it going? I uh, want to escape. <laughs> <laughs> and Jin's like, ah, I don't really trust you, but I got no choice. So what do you mean you don't trust him? <laughs> Lars is like the only person left alive at this point who's never pulled anything. Yeah, but he's, he's also pretty aware that Lars kind of hates him. Yeah, fair. The whole war thing. But Lars takes Jin to Violet Systems, uh, Lee Chaolin's company, uh, mm -hmm. to help him recuperate, just kind of hide out. And we also learned this is where Elise is being fixed up, um, which eventually she will be. She's not really that relevant in this game, but she right. does get eventually fixed up. Uh, so the journalist also happens to show up because he met up with Lars and is hanging out with Lee and all that. Uh, and uh, he sees Jin as well. And he approaches to kill Jin. And Lars is like, hey, nah, don't do that, buddy. Because, listen, I want to do that, too, but I've seen how these Tekken games go. Yeah. Jin's, the, ol Jin's the only one who's going to kill Kazi and Heihachi. Yeah. Also, you're just going to wake up the devil. Yeah. Let's not wake up the devil right now. Let's have the devil on our side, or half the devil, or however this works now. Right. So... This is kind of where we stand right now. We don't really know what Kazuya is up to, but we know that Heihachi is consolidating his power to go after him. Uh, we know that uh, Jin and Lars are plotting their plan to get back at both Heihachi and Kazuya and end the war. Wonder how Heihachi's kind of doing, though. Mm -hmm. So he's hanging out in the Mishima do Dojo by himself when suddenly the doors burst open and in strides Akuma. Ah. Uh, looking the most Akuma an Akuma can look. Good. And Heihachi's like, oh, huh, hey, what you doing here? And Akuma's like, I'm here to kill you, standard fights. And, right. and Heihachi's like, hell yeah, respect. Let's do this. <laughs> like, he straight up's like, ah, to the point, I respect that. Yep, you know what? All this is on brand so far for everyone. Yep. And they get ready to fight only for a bunch of Jack-6 robots to break in. 
And so Heihachi and Akuma then decided, like, well, let's just beat the hell out of these. Yep. And in kind of, like, basically a send-up to Tekken 5's opening, they uh-huh. straight up just wreck all of them. And it's a hell of a cool fight. Like, you know, Heihachi mm-hmm. will, like, shoulder throw one into a Shoryuken from Akuma and just, like, all sorts of real cool stuff, like, Kuma will demon flip and knock one up in the air, and Heihachi will uppercut. It's mm, so good. It's so good. Good. And so they end up destroying all of them, but, like, one of the jacks is still functioning. Mm-hmm. And this is where we see good old Katsuya spying on everybody. Turns out he's the one who sent those robots. All right. So Heihachi's like, hey, what's your deal? And Akuma is like, I am Akuma, and I will send by Kazumi to kill you and hate Kazuya. Uh, hmm. And she's like, wait, my wife? See? My dead wife? <laughs> <laughs> and Kazuya is, is also like, uh, huh, my mom wants me dead. Mm. I thought she was dead. Hmm. Mm. So Heihachi and Akuma face off again from there, and they have a big old fight, but then Akuma does the Reiji Demon and seemingly kills Heihachi. Oh. But if you remember this move that rips the soul out of a person yeah, and it doesn't work super great a lot of the time. Yeah, and um let's just say that Heihachi lives here. But Akuma doesn't know that. He just walks away. He's like, Yep, yeah, job's done here. He, he really needs to start confirming his raging demon kills. He really does. Heihachi though is like, hmm, this seems like an opportunity. And he decides to pretend he's dead. Fair. So, Public now thinks that Heihachi Mishima is dead again for the third time. Right. So during all this time, like Jin, like finally is like healing up, but then the Tekken Force like shows up with Nina and they're like, "Hey, we're here to capture Jin on Heihachi's orders." They they don't necessarily say that to them. They just say uh-huh. that to themselves, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but now like Leech is like now prepared, so she like gets up and like bites him off and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like. Um, and, like, uh, they're about to, like, capture Jin, but, like, we manage to, like, get a hold of them, and they, like, fly off and, like, escape. All the while, like, Alicia and, like, Lars, like, fend off the Tekken soldiers, or the Tekken 4 soldiers and whatnot. And eventually, right. like, Lee just blows up his headquarters. <laughs> <laughs> Fair, you know. Yeah. Like, Nia's inside, but turns out she's fine. She just, like, gets out of the rubble and is like, huh, guess I'm impervious to explosions. That's good. Good to know. Yep. Did Alicia have chainsaw arms before, or does she get those now? Oh, uh, I think she gets those now. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, nice little upgrade that Lee just gave her. Yeah. So, during his cause, he was like, okay, well, I need to figure out a plan to deal with this Akuma chap. Unfortunately for him, Akuma shows up at the G Corporation headquarters. Right, yep, yep. Like, he was sent to kill both of them. Yep. And he literally just, like, walks through the front door and is like, I'm here to kill Kasia. And, like, all the G Corporation soldiers show up and are like, Okay, we got to gun this guy down. But Kazuya's like, hey, no, no. I saw how this went in Tekken 6. Mm-hmm. Let me just deal with him. He's like, hey, Kuma, let's go up to the roof. Let's talk a little bit. Uh-huh. So they go up to the roof and talk. And like, Kazuya's like, hey, uh, how do you know my mom? And Akuma's like, your mom, Ka- Kazumi, saved my life and nursed me back to health. And when I came to, she asked me to kill you and your father. And I promised her on that day that I would. And so, like, it's actually kind of funny. Like, um, Kazuya doesn't say this, but early Heihachi's like, wait, but why did you wait 40 years? <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't make sense. Like, Akuma doesn't answer this, but it's like, right. it is addressed why Akuma 
well, sort of address why Akuma is like, eh, I'm going to wait. Right. So they get into a big old dumb fight, and, like, Kazuya is forced to turn to Devil here, which is very fortunate for um, Heihachi, who happens to have an orbital satellite that takes a picture of this. Ah. And he's like, ha, my proof. Also, I have an orbital laser. Oh. And so he orbital lasers both Akuma and Kazuya. Okay, I was going to say I feel like he should have opened with that, but it's clearly not going to work. So <laughs> I actually appreciate his foresight of getting the picture first. Yeah, right? As like the productive thing to do, and then just lasering anyway for the hell of it. Yeah, actually sort of making sure. Yeah, just, you know, on the off chance the laser does work, mm-hmm. we'll do that anyway. Also, but prioritize I, the picture. Exactly. Also, I appreciate that uh, my joke from last time of like, you know, next time Hayashi tries to kill Kazuya, he's going to like just throw him from space. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, he more or less does that. You know, just yeah. space laser. So, you know, good on him. So he's like, all right, this is great. And so he spreads this news. And it's so like mm-hmm. the news spreads the footage of the G Corporation CEO Kazuya being a demon. And so... Like Lars Lee, um, and like all, basically all the, the Lars faction, right? Uh, and the journalist like watched this news report, and the journalist is like, "Oh man, maybe my town wasn't really destroyed by Jin, but rather destroyed by something that was like supernatural evil. Maybe that was the reason." Which I'm like, "Is there really any proof of that?" Yeah, I don't. And no proof ever really surfaces from this, but it, it's basically his way of being like. Ah, uh, maybe Jin's not such a bad guy after all. Maybe I shouldn't still, want to murder him. He still started the war, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? By the way, Kazuya survived. Yeah. And he shoots down the satellite with his own devil laser, which is hell of an aim, I gotta say. Pretty good. That's yeah. that's a power move. Yeah, so the satellite ends up crashing into, like, a populated area, and rumors begin to circulate that the Mishima Zaibatsu lost control of its own satellite. And so now public opinion begins to turn against them. Oh. <laughs> oh, did no. They not see the devil man shoot the satellite with the devil laser? I guess not. No. Oh. They're just like, well, one side's the devil, but the other has a satellite that fell to the ground. Right. Guess Heihachi's the bad guy here. So Heihachi needs to do some damage control. And so he learns Does about- he? <laughs> Is there any point to the PR at this point? <laughs> World War Three is still happening. For Heihachi, it's all about the PR. Just, just go get on your submarine, man. <laughs> well, he can have this interview on his submarine. Nice cozy place. God. So Heihachi gets in contact with the journalist. He's like, hey, you want an expose? You want to have a one-on-one interview? And he's like, what? Sure. So Heihachi tells him about his family history. And he describes how he and Kazumi first met. So they first met as part of their father's dojo, both learning the martial arts. They became rivals and later lovers. And they both fell so deeply in love. Heihachi loves this woman so, so much. Um, even like in Hanmaru, like carved a love message to her into the floorboards, which you can actually see in Super Smash Brothers. Oh. Yeah. And one day, though, she ended up getting sick after giving birth to her son, Kazuya, got a fever and became violent and like attacked him. Mm. And like 
Yeah, she's like, oh, man, that fever. Boy, made you violent. Well, I'm going to nurse you back to health. And <laughs> But what happens after that, though, is that Kazumi changes. And she confronts Heihachi while he's training and told him that one day she saw a vision that he would inflict war and chaos upon the world. Which, eh, half true. Yeah. I think the chaos part, definitely. Yeah, definitely. He the, was a... Yeah, the, the war part, you really can't put on him. I mean, continuing the war, yes. Continuing the war, yeah. yes. Not starting it, though. So, Heihachi's like, hey, what's up with that? And then she attacks him. And during this fight becomes a devil because she is the progenitor of the devil gene. And so Heihachi's like, whoa, what the heck is up with this? And beats her up. Mm -hmm. And so we get some conflicting information about what her true motivations are. Is it like the devil that's controlling her to do this? Right. Is it visions that she saw? Or is it that her family had her meet up with Heihachi and instructed her to kill him. Because we also learned that Kazumi's family had it in for the Mishibas and wanted them dead. Mm. And it's never really explained which one of these is true. But what is true is that Heihachi, as you could probably imagine in his 20s, is a badass fighter right. and beats her up. And so he's like, hey, I'm just going to walk away. We're going to get you some help. But she gets up and attacks him again. And Heihachi like, has to grab her by the throat. And he's like, you're not the woman I loved. Crushes her larynx and kills her. Hmm. Heihachi then tells the journalist that he suspected that Kazuya may have had the same demonic power. And in order to find out, he decided to throw him off a cliff to see what would happen. If he survived, he knew he had supernatural power like Kazumi. And he may have to do something about that. And then he proceeded to do nothing for 20 years. Yeah. It feels a little like hasty retcon, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not the best explanation for being like, well, we need to have a reason for Heihachi to throw a five-year-old off a cliff besides he's a dick. Do you, though? You really don't, because honestly, Heihachi being a dick is part of his character. Yeah, it's it's been working for six games. I don't know if you need to... Yeah, I don't really know either. I, I don't really like this change too much, but, yeah, you know, everything involving his wife and whatnot, I'm pretty cool with. Yeah. Getting that, to like, fine. yeah, getting to him was like, okay, we need to explain why the five-year-old fell. It's like, eh, no, you don't. Yeah, not really, no. Mm -hmm. So Hayashi then says the destruction his family has caused is all his fault, and he regrets not killing Kazuya when he had the chance, which... Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, you, you, you thought he was going to be the devil. You should have, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, dealt with that. Yeah. And, like, as much as I want to give, don't want to give Heihachi credit for anything, he was mm -hmm. technically right about Kazuya being the devil. Yeah. <laughs> so the journalist didn't ask what this war means to Heihachi, but then Heihachi doesn't answer him, just walks off. And then the second four soldiers knock him out. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah, but um, good news for him. He just tells Lars where he is, and like Lars comes to pick him up. And they arrive at another uh, another facility that Violet Systems owns like a few hours later. And uh, they're like, okay, yeah, well, that's weird anyways. Yeah. What are they uh, trying to accomplish right now again? Boy, you know, that's a real good question. <laughs> because honestly, this entire game is Lars and Jin doing shit all. Yeah. I feel like Akuma's the only one who has a thing they're trying to do right now. Yeah, pretty much. Like it's 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 really odd for as um proactive and central Jin is in the 
entire rest of the series, or at least the entire mm-hmm. rest of the series he's actually in. Right. Uh, they really don't do nothing but run from the UN and or run from Kazuya. Right. And honestly, their passiveness continues here because they see on a video display that's being aired by one of Lee's spy satellites, it shows a volcano, and they see Kazuya and Heihachi there, ready to fight each other. So it turns out they're about to have their final fight. Okay. Again, I feel like they could have just done this at any time. Mm-hmm. They really could have, but you know, they're going to do it now. So they end up having a big old double fight, and Heihachi initially has, like, the upper hand, but, like, Kazuya, like, turns into his devil form, and, like, he taps into a level of his devil form that's even stronger than than his original forms were. And, like, he's able to shoot multiple lasers and, like, do all sorts of crazy stuff, but even that is not enough. Heihachi still beats him the hell and back to the point he turns back to his human form. Damn. Yeah. But even then, Heihachi is now absolutely exhausted. And they begin punching each other until they don't have any energy left to avoid each other's hits. They're just slugging it out like two old men. Just, ugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm, it's good. Mm-hmm. But then eventually, Kazuya punches Heihachi in the chest in such a way, in such a force that, like, he causes him to kind of, like, back up a little bit. And then Kazuya sees Heihachi with, briefly with his black hair, remembers how he was beaten as a child, and then with rage, hits him with a punch so strong that it stops his heart. And with that, Heihachi falls to the ground dead. Huh. Kazuya then picks up Heihachi's lifeless body and, just like in Tekken 2, throws him into the volcanic lava. He echoes his father's mantra, a fight is about who is left standing, nothing else. As he watches Heihachi fall, though, Akuma then shows up, still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, Kazuya, like, avoids a Hadouken from him and Morrison's his devil form to fight him. And the volcano begins to erupt as Kazuya and Akuma begin the fight. And their final outcome is unknown. <laughs> so, later, we see Lars, Elisa, and Lee on a rooftop. And they look over a city that's in ruins. Despite... All that that has happened, despite Heihachi's death, despite uh, Kazuya being missing right now, the war doesn't seem to be ending. Jin joins him on the roof, and Lars informs him that he wants him to stop the war he started. And he tells Jin that he's their final hope to eliminate Kazuya, who must be alive, and he must do this to atone for what he has done to this world. Jin, Jin says that yes, he agrees. He has to do that because the same blood that runs through his veins is his father's and it's up to him to save the world and end this war once and for all. And that is the main story of Tekken 7. Uh-huh. And that's kind of where we stand here. There's there's a few other little details around the periphery here, but for more or less, that is kind of where we're sitting at. Normally, this would be the part where I go, and then the series died, the end. We'll never know the end of this. But once again, Tekken 7 has been incredibly successful for Namco. Yeah. Uh, so successful, they, it led to a revival of Soul Calibur, another fighting game series. <laughs> right. Like, so Which un- has also been pretty successful in its it, own right. Indeed, it has. And even when Tekken was at its lowest, like Tekken 4, it's very clear there's going to be a Tekken 8 at some point. Right. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the success of Tekken 7 means it might be a while before there's a Tekken 8. Yeah, because... Because, because why derail this train? Exactly. Because, boy, 
there have been so many DLC characters as I scroll mm-hmm. down to look at all the DLC characters. Yeah, 19. <laughs> well, okay, that is that is not true. Um, some of these characters are part of a weird, like, pre-order sort of thing. But, uh, right. but still, like, a good 15 or so characters with the most recent one being released in March 23rd, uh, 2021. And yeah, there's with between that and the COVID nineteen pandemic, there's probably no reason they're going to stop right now. Yeah. So it's unknown when Tekken eight will come back, but it's clear that they have um, have things set up. There's going to be an additional, you know, an additional coda to the end of uh, end of the Mishima saga. I suspect we'll probably see it into the war. Will Heihachi come back? I actually think probably not. At least not for this game. Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah, maybe they'll release like a DLC where you could you know, use his moveset and play as him, but probably not going to factor into the story at all. Yeah. So I don't know what the future of Tekken's going to be, but it's going to be very interesting, and I'm very much looking forward to it because while there's some hiccups in the in Tekken 6 and Tekken 7 as far as story is concerned, overall, I do like it. It has a pretty mm-hmm. solid through line, and yeah. if nothing else you could actually understand it. And that's kind of rare when it comes to fighting game storylines. A little bit, yeah. Hmm. Alex, how do you feel about the end of all this? I feel I feel pretty good. You know, like you said, it's it's a fun story. It really saves itself by focusing on just a few characters mm-hmm. and sort of letting everyone else just be doing their own thing in this world they live in. Exactly. Like, if you want to learn about like what Marduk is doing, you can. Right. Yeah, don't have to, but you can. Yeah, and it's it's really smart that it does that. Like you know, like and like a lot of these characters do have their own little thing. Like Nina has like this own storyline with her her sister Anna. That has its own little through line. Like Paul right. and Marshall are still there being stupid. <laughs> like there's a lot. Like King has his own little thing about you know regaining honor for his fallen right. brothers and all that. Like there's a lot that we did not touch on here. But by making by leaving those to the side and just focusing on a main through line and not and resisting the urge that Street Fighter V did, where they just want to have every mm-hmm. character have something to do. Right. Like even in Tekken 7, which is a very complicated story, it still comes down to like, what are the Mishimas doing? Here's a few right. other characters that are sort of helping out, but they don't get too crazy with it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. It's it's a good story. And one that I really, really, really loved revisiting. And uh, maybe this will finally spur me to actually buy Tekken 7. <laughs> I keep saying every time I think about Tekken 7, I'm going to buy Tekken 7, and I never do. Uh, it's a good game, but man, it's hard to get into. It is. And it is it has gone places at this point. Yeah, it's, it's only <laughs> gotten harder as time has gone on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really has. It really has. <sighs> well, Alex, do you have any final parting thoughts for us today? Just one. Um, I was reminded this week that there was a commercial slash trailer for Street Fighter versus Tekken. Mm. It was a hybrid live action CGI trailer in which Kazuya gets out of his limousine dressed in like his fine business suit and just like looking all the Zaibatsu Mm -hmm. boss aesthetic. Uh, to face down Ryu, who is in a tattered, dirty robe that he pulls off to reveal himself in his dirty, well-worn gi because he is a homeless hobo Mm -hmm. who just travels around barefoot fighting people. (laughs) And I was reminded that these are the main characters of these two fighting series. Mm -hmm. Boy, there could not be more of a difference. There really could not be. 
One's the embodiment of good and humble living. The other is a very, very rich boy who is yep. the devil. Yeah. <laughs> the actual devil. The actual literal devil. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I had to see that commercial. I, I'm, I'm so sad. The Street Fighter Tekken universe didn't become more of a thing. Oh, God. Right. It's oh, so man. Just there's so much good overlap. There really is. There really is. Oh, man. I want more. I want Heihachi to just run into Shadowloo and be like, I'm running this now. Yeah, it'd be so good. He's just like, where's your throne room? I know you have a throne room. Everyone has a I'm throne room. I'm going to beat you up and sit on your chair. If I sit on a chair, I run this. <laughs> That's Amishima Zaibatsu rules. I established them 30 years ago. <laughs> Do you own your own country? I own my own country. <laughs> and Balrog's just like, I like this guy. Yeah, Balrog would totally be in Heihachi. Absolutely. 100%. No, if Heihachi beat up Bison, Balrog would just switch sides like a coin. Mm-hmm. He'd just be like, all right, all right. Yep. That's that. Yep, that's... Asked and answered, yeah, yes, sir. Yep. <laughs> do I do I have to take off my boxing gloves? No, fantastic. <laughs> I have a sparring power partner now? He's a, he's a kangaroo? All uh, right, that's weird. I'm sure I can adjust. Yeah, fine, whatever. Seen, seen weirder shit around here. Uh, yes. As long as you fire Fang, everything's fine. Yeah, fire Fang. Yeah, 100%. Oh, God. Man is nothing but bad ideas. He, he would have looked at your, like, cool satellite with a laser and went, what if we made a lot of them and crashed them into the world? <laughs> oh, and that would just not be good for PR. No, probably not. No, if one satellite was bad for PR, a lot of satellites would be very bad. Man, I just want a game that opens with the headline Mishima Zaibatsu acquires Shadow Lu. Oh man, yes. Merger approved by the United Nations. <laughs> They'd be like, well, they were an evil corporation, but yeah, uh, you know. Hey Hot will turn them around. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Ah. Uh. Yeah, God, that missed opportunities. Missed opportunities. Yep. Yep. Mm. Well, I think my final parting thought is going to be that, uh, yeah, down with corporations. If this, uh, if this podcast mm-hmm. series hasn't uh, shown you anything, is that um, one day Amazon is going to be run by martial arts master, and it's going to end real poorly for all of us. So um, we don't know that it's not already. This, oh no, Jeff Bezos did step down. Yeah, you know, I don't know anything about the new CEO. Yeah, might be a martial arts master. That he is not a master of an ancient martial artist, and also immune to being thrown off cliffs. Well, if when we find out that he survives, you know, falling off a cliff, uh, you know, unbreakable style. Yep. (laughs) Buckle down for that. Yeah, just uh, you know, kiss your ass goodbye, Seattle. If he announces any fighting tournaments, just don't enter them. Do not enter the fighting tournament. Just don't. You're not there's as good probably, of a fighter as you think. There's probably only one person he cares about fighting anyway. It's not you. Just don't worry about it. It's his devil son. Just let him do the thing. Yep. Just walk the other way. <laughs> I'm going to fight on top of Mount Rainier. It'd be great. It's, it's an active volcano. Yeah, sure. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Well, everybody, that's going to do it for us for part two of Tekken. We'll be back in two weeks as uh, we talk about another series that uh, I'm also really, really looking forward to doing. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to see more episodes of this or listen to more episodes, I guess would be more accurate, you should go to ftp.podme.com or search through Fallen Through Plot Holes, either on Apple Play or Apple Podcast, Google Play, or YouTube, or search FTP, because somehow that shows up in the top <laughs> five, even though you really feel like it shouldn't. Either way, take care, everybody. There we go.